When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, but we want to get straight to Andrew McDonald because uh, he is a very busy man getting ready for the final test of the summer getting underway at the Gabba tomorrow. It is a day-night test match, so the boys have been preparing last night with pink balls in the nets at night, getting ready for the West Indies, and he joins us uh, on SEN. Andrew McDonald, welcome. Thanks, Whitey. Thanks for having us. Well, before we get on to Brisbane, what were your reflections uh, sort of three or four days after the game in, in Adelaide with how the, the guys went with the win in, what was it, two days and, and a bit of a session and a bit of a longer session? Yeah, it was a fast game. That's that's the first reflection. Um, the game certainly sped up um, to a level that uh, we, we probably weren't anticipating or expecting going to the Adelaide Oval. But uh, it was a surface that uh, offered the seam bowlers um, plenty and, and made it difficult for batting. So um, I suppose when you get some uh, both you know really good attacks on that surface, the game's going to speed up and it's it's going to be difficult for batting. But uh, yeah, the West Indies, um, I wouldn't say surprises, but um, their bowling was definitely um, very disciplined and. Um, put us to the test at certain stages with the bat, um, but the quality of our bowling attack with Stark, Hazelwood and Cummins, um, and you couple that with Nathan Lyon, um, their relentless pressure um, over sort of two innings was, was able to undo the West Indies batters, and, and hopefully that trend continues coming to the Gabba for the pink ball test match. So six for 140 was was the Australian score at one point before Travis Head uh, and the tail got it up to, to close to 300. Is it just conditions? There was no sort of reason to be concerned by that? No, not from our end. Um, you know, we've sort of got some analytics uh, stuff that we sit in the background and all the information that we're getting is it was difficult for batting in particular when the, the ball was new and hard. Um, there was just enough seam there and, and just a little bit of variable bounce as well and, and that makes it difficult for batting and uh, it was probably a fair reflection of, of the surface, but also a fair reflection on um, the way that uh, the West Indies bowled with, uh, obviously, Shamar Joseph, which had been well-documented, uh, with Kumar Roach and Alzari Joseph as well. They, they were able to maintain pressure, get the ball in the right areas. So um, we felt it was it was difficult for batting. And, and then Travis Head looked like he has done many a time on, on difficult surfaces, played what was an outlying innings for the game, and and really took the game away from the rest of the West Indies with his you know, counter-attacking style and... Um, yeah, his ability to get runs in, in difficult conditions is becoming a trend, and it's a, it's a good trend to have when you're a top-order player. What is it about him that that he he does? He, he gets runs when your team needs it the most. He's, he's built a reputation on that. Is there, is there something that he does differently to everybody else? Is it a, is it a mental thing? What, what is it that's, that's special about him in that situation? I think the ability to put pressure back onto the bowler and, and create errors at the other end, and um, I think over time you build that reputation so there's no doubt when bowlers sit at the top of their marks they, they know that they have to get that 
um, spot on um, in terms of their execution. Obviously, he's going to be looking to score runs and, and he damages you. And they went to the short ball tactics early as well, um, which we've seen over a period of time. And, and some consider that one of his weaknesses. But there's always a risk um, when you do that, that the scoreboard will run. And it, it ran and it ran fast. And it was a near you know, run a ball 100. Um, yeah, but I would say that the, the way that he puts pressure back onto opponents is, is one of his great strengths. And you, know, you couple that with you know, high-end skill, his hand-eyes brilliant, um, and, and the array of shots that he has. He's, he's very hard to defend. I know it's only a very small sample size, and you talked about this after the game, but with Steve Smith opening the batting and, and Cameron Green going to four, it certainly created a lot of interest and, and intrigue in the game to see how they'd go. Um, what were your thoughts looking back on it now? Yeah, we're very comfortable with where it sits. And um, I was pretty clear on that post-game. And as, as you said, it's very difficult with a sample size of one. And, and this move will be judged over time like most others are. So we'll sit back potentially in 12 months' time and, and look at it. And it'll either be a success or failure in the, in the eyes of people on the outside. But, but we feel as though Cameron Green coming into, into four um, you know, will be a great strength over time. Steve Smith uh, putting his hand up to open the batting. We feel as though we've got the best uh, six batters um, in the top six, and we feel as though they complement each other. And, and I know there's been some discussion around what it looks like for, for Shield cricket and rewarding that, but um, the work that Cameron Green's done at Shield level, um, averaging 60-plus at four, we, we feel as though uh, he deserves an opportunity in, in the top six batters. And he's had a taste of test cricket, hasn't quite nailed it with a bat at this stage, um, but he has been to some you know difficult countries um, in Sri Lanka on turning wickets India, and then obviously the challenge of an Ashes away. So he's had some difficult challenges within that period, and and that's, not, that's also to mention the fact that, you know, on, on average, um, you know, runs are coming down in Australia as well. Batting hasn't been easy over the last couple of years. So maybe some averages reflect that. And we've got to put a bit more perspective around those averages. And I guess one of the interesting things that, that I found just listening to, to both Smith and Green is just how keen they are to do those roles. Smith opening the batting is obviously very different. Uh, Cameron Green, it's the, it can be the toughest spot to bat number four for Australia, it's where the best players tend to bat uh, historically, but they really want that job. I would imagine as coach, that makes it a bit easier to pull that trigger. Yeah, it does make it easier to pull the trigger, but you've also then got to weigh into the fact of what the player wants and also the capabilities of the player. And um, there's no more capable player um, against the new ball than Steve Smith, and he's shown that over a long period of time. So we feel really comfortable. Um, he's batted three before, sliding up one spot. We've seen other players do that in the past. So... We feel it feels like he's capable um, to thrive in that position, and it, it's a slightly new look, but um, it does get Cameron Green into the top six, and we believe he's in the best six uh, batters in the country. And, and time will show, and time will probably tell that. So we heard from George Bailey about the, uh, I guess the the awkward conversations or difficult conversations he had to have with Cameron Bancroft, uh, with also Marcus Harris as the the specialist openers. What? What was the message that you gave to those two? This obviously a hell of a lot of test cricket to come in the next 24 months or so. How do you keep them, I guess, uh, keen um, to, to go again, to, to keep putting up the runs? Um, and, and do they have to do anything different to, to be a chance to, to open the batting for Australia into the future? Yeah, I think the, the simple message from George, George is that you get back to shield cricket and you keep making runs. And I know that sounds very simplistic and, and it's something Cameron Bancroft and Marcus Harris and also Matt Renshaw have done over a period of time as well. Um, yeah, we've chosen to go on a slightly different path. Um, there's no doubt that they um, would have been disappointed in that and there was a lot of talk around uh, the term specialist opener and, and we believe we've got an opening batter in Steve Smith there. Um, yeah, but th- there's a long way to go for this team. There's no doubt going to be some transition over a period of time and 
there's some shield cricket at the back end of this season and also a long build into the, the Indian series next year. So um, there'll be a lot of speculation, a lot of talk um, around the team, um, no doubt, and, and so there should be. Do, you, do they have to do anything different or is it just keep doing what you're doing? No, there hasn't been any, any direct message around change the way that they go about things. Um, we're a big believer that we will pick players um, from that level and, and try to get the best out of them at, at um, the test level with their, their strengths. And we've seen that you know, Cameron Bancroft's got some great strengths in the way that he can apply himself over a period of time. Marcus Harris is slightly different, um, potentially a little bit more aggressive at the top of the order. And, and Matt Renshaw's also got his strengths. Um, yeah, so they're all slightly different players. And yeah, very hard to split them out when you when you're talking about um, picking uh, you know 13 for the West Indies Test match series. So um, everyone will be, continue to debate that because it, it wasn't you know as clear as what everyone thought it would be. So we go to, to Brisbane. Um, pink ball preparations. What 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 is different in the build up to a a pink ball versus a red ball? Or have they done it enough now? These players that it, there isn't too many things that need to be done differently from test to test. Yeah, it's, it's a lot different. Um, we feel as though we've done it a lot over a period of time, but it is, it is only one test match a year that we get the opportunity uh, to play a pink ball. Um, the ball behaves slightly differently, uh, in particular under light. So it's really just, I suppose it's almost like shifting from uh, one format to another. It's just familiarising yourself again, getting under lights last night, seeing how the ball behaves. I think it's a little bit easier from a bowling perspective because you just need to control your length and the ball behaves not similar, but you, you get it in the right area and, and let the ball do the work from there. Whereas batting, um, you know, the ball can potentially behave slightly different. The swing isn't as consistent um, and it does behave differently between uh, the day and the night. So it's just making sure that we're prepared for that. Uh, and catching is the other thing. We saw when pink ball cricket come in initially, uh, just in that twilight zone, uh, there was a lot of catches that potentially went down. So just getting getting back into that and, and making sure that we're prepared for that. So um, that's what we've done last night and um, we feel as though we're in a good position. We've only got a short amount of time to prepare, but um, we'll be ready to go. Uh, the two that I guess are under, not so much a, a cloud, but a, maybe a question mark is Travis Head, who's had COVID uh, post-celebrations after his 100 uh, in Adelaide. And then obviously the more serious one with Usman Kawaja and that, uh, that hit he got right at the end of the test match. Um, are they all okay? No dramas ahead of tomorrow? Yeah, they're all good. So, yeah, obviously, Usman, uh, it looked um, pretty, pretty bad um, at the time. And scans post the game cleared him of any serious damage. And, and then it was just a matter of, um, you know, making sure he was functional. He's still a little bit sore, uh, but there's no concussion there. So he's ready to go. He had a good hit out last night. Uh, Travis Head didn't train last night. Still recovering from, from COVID. Um, but he'll be fine to play. And, um, yeah, uh, we're hoping that he'll... Um, test negative, uh, so he'll be able to reintegrate with the group. If he doesn't, then there's protocols in place to, to allow players to play uh, slightly separated from the group. So he's feeling good, so he's in no doubt whatsoever. I was going to ask you about that. What what are the protocols now compared to perhaps a couple of years ago? You, you can play with COVID, but you, you still have to you know, come out of a separate dressing room or so it doesn't spread. What, what, what actually happens in, in 2024 with a COVID-affected uh, player? Yeah, it's pretty much just remain uh, away from the group so you, you don't spread it. But, um, yeah, they'll get their own change room if they are still testing positive. And, and then once you're outdoors, the, the risk is a lot lower. But, um, yeah, they'll keep their distance um, as much as they can out in the field, um, which can be difficult sometimes when you are celebrating or you're communicating with your partner in the middle. But, um, yeah, they'll do that to the best of their ability. But I think it's a it's a positive move, the fact that you can you know continue to play if you're feeling well enough to play. And, 
and making sure that you don't spread it. We're talking to Andrew McDonald, the Australian cricket coach, ahead of tomorrow's test match with the West Indies. The five uh, the five test matches are going to have the same the same three fast bowlers in all five. Um, off the back of a crazy twenty twenty three, how is this possible, Andrew? Yeah, they've done well, haven't they? <laughs> it's a demanding schedule, and what they've been through it's, uh, it's incredible to think that they're still uh, upright and, and continuing to perform. But they're actually not only continue to perform, but they they feel as though they're improving across the summer, which is uh, which is a scary thought. But the preparation, the way that they go about it, the way that they manage themselves, um, gives them the opportunity to to play uh, as much as they have this year and. And I think the first test match of the summer um, potentially set it up. I think we bowled 30-odd overs as well in, in the second innings. And, and that probably allowed us a, a view that um, you know, they would be able to get through five test matches, whereas when you're planning probably at the start of the test, test summer, you, you're thinking maybe they may need a rest in one. Uh, but, we've, yeah, we've had some fortunate results, um, some shortened games, which is, has allowed that also. But I think full credit's got to go to the way that they prepare themselves, uh, the professionals that they are, and... As I said, they've got better across the summer, which is a scary thought. Um, and the other layer of that potentially going forward um, will be based around the all-rounders and the ability to, you know, for them to bowl overs uh, throughout the day, which could take two or three overs uh, off one of the fast bowlers in a day. And whilst that doesn't seem a lot, that that can build up over a summer, and um, yeah, it may give us the opportunity to play the three fast bowlers together for a lot longer. Just uh, the last one on the on the test. The weather, the weather that is forecast for days three, four, and five is pretty ordinary. It is improving a little bit, which is encouraging. First two days look okay. Does that affect the way that you will plan or strategically the way you will go about it, knowing what's ahead, or you can't afford to to put that into play with the with the weather? Yeah, you can't. I don't think you can afford to put that into play with the weather. I think it's it's play the first session, move from there, play day one. And then I think as the game unfolds and the speed it's moving at, uh, then it may give you some opportunities um, around the weather potentially. But it feels as though with that weather forecast that you've mentioned there, when you start talking about days three and four, um, yeah, it's it's going to be hard to plan for any of that. So I think we'll just play it, see how we go. And then, you know, weather was to be around day five, then you might have a, a chat or, you know, you might factor it into your, you know, your, your planning. But um, when it's day three, that's... Um, yeah, that's pretty early in the test match. So I think it'll be get moving, see how we go day one, and then we'll just move from there. Okay, I know you're focusing on the test match, but there has been some changes made to the one-day squad for matches against the West Indies at the completion of this test series. Uh, Maxwell out, Fraser McGurk in, and, and Will Sutherland is another one that's been added, which is very exciting uh, for myself at least, and probably for Will. Um, but I just want to ask you about Maxwell. We had a lot of um, text messages and calls through the week about, I guess, the frustration of Maxwell not playing at the MCG. Can you explain why he's been uh, essentially rested? Yeah, we can, yeah. It's a discussion that we, we've had for the last couple of weeks um, just around where he's at physically. Um, on the back of that major injury that he had, I think it's it's well over 12 months ago now, but... Uh, that injury hasn't allowed him to, to do the things that he's wanted to do over a period of time. And recovery is one of the biggest problems that he has um, pulling up from games. And he just started to flag during the, the back end of the BBL. And uh, for those who know one day international cricket, well, it's, it's probably one of the most demanding formats uh, for any player, um, the amount of speed they have to move it in the field um, and, you know, with the bat and obviously Maxwell being a three dimensional bowler. So we felt it a prime opportunity to, just to give him a little bit of a chop out um, to get ready for the T20s um, against the West Indies, which will be, I think, named uh, later today. 
um, yeah, so it's more a physical capability in that one-day format. So uh, that's going to be an ongoing management problem um, with Glenn, um, we believe. And, yeah, we, I mean, we had some good results uh, in the World Cup. But also, if you think back to before the World Cup, um, going to South Africa, we had to pull the same lever in terms of managing where his body's at. So it's got to be a consideration for him how he looks after himself moving forward for the longevity of his career. But we've also got to weigh into that with the way that we manage him. And we feel as though this is the best for him at this point in time. He was in the news over an episode on Friday night. Is that something that the Australian cricket coach gets involved in? Um, chats to him and say, Glenn, what's going on? Or is that something that um, is left to others? No, I've, I've spoken to Glenn. I had a, had a good chat to him yesterday um, around the incident. And as I said before, it's it, it, him looking after himself needs to be consideration moving forward. And you know, we, we've given him the opportunity to, to rest and rehab in that period of time and, um, I suppose the the lessons for him around that would be to to take up uh, his end of the bargain in that place and and take care of himself. We want to see Glenn Maxwell playing cricket for you know the next three to four years for Australia. Um, can he get to the next World Cup in 2027 uh, in in South Africa? Who knows? But uh, he's a key player in our white ball format, and when he's out there, we're a far better team. And as I said, on the back of that um, horrific injury that he did have, um, you know, there's going to be some management things that uh, put in place around him. But uh, we want Glenn playing for Australia as long as we can and. Um, yeah, we're going to have to do our end and, and Glenn's no doubt going to have to pull up his end of that bargain. So were you convinced it was a, an honest mistake, this one? This wasn't um, something where he'd necessarily done something particularly wrong with after speaking to him? Yeah, all, all the information that he's given. Um, yeah, he's had a few drinks and, and clearly the night's ended the way that it did and that's less than ideal um, from his perspective and, and our perspective and it's, it's an honest mistake and um, yeah, he, he needs to obviously have a look at what he's doing at his end and is that the right thing to be doing at that time? Um, yeah, but thankfully there's no harm out of it. Um, you know, he, he's well now and, and that's the other thing to consider in these instances is it's yes, you can point the finger, but there's you know, obviously a duty of care from our end and, and he's doing well and uh, he looks as though he'll return to play in that West Indies series um, in those T20 games, which we're excited for. And just before we let you go, just uh, a, a couple of words on, on Jake Fraser-McGurk. Firstly, um, the, I guess the left field's uh, selection for that one-day squad essentially replacing Maxwell. So you've got baby Maxi coming in to replace the Maxi. Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? Uh, Any time that you you get some new talent coming in, and you know, I've watched him from afar. I've worked with him a little bit um, when I was at the Renegades. We had him on the list there. But um, he's an exciting talent and can't wait to see what he's uh, capable of at, at international level. Um, his, his journey begins and Oh, I'm really just really excited, and you can throw sort of uh, Xavier Bartlett into that mix as well. And you mentioned Will Sutherland, so there's some new players that Australia will get to see during this ODI series. I think they should be excited. Uh, we've seen them on uh, at domestic cricket at big bash level, but there's nothing like pulling on the Australian um, top and going about your work at the international level, in particular, you know, at the ma- major venues. So uh, we're excited for that next crop coming through, and we've got a clear build, no doubt, for the 2027 World Cup and. I suppose this indicates uh, where the chairman of selectors, George Bailey, wants to take things um, along with the rest of the panel, and we're excited about that. Thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, I'll see you up at Brisbane tomorrow for the first ball. Thanks, Whitey. Thanks for the chat.